0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Armchair HIPAA. Armchair HIPAA is a podcast for compliance officers by compliance officers. I'm Sarah Badiman, host of Armchair HIPAA and CEO of HIPAA-TREC. This week, we're going to hear from Jeremy Luigi, Senior Compliance Information Security and Regulatory Program Operations Executive at Billings Clinic. What a title, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy is going to talk about going a level deeper in your organization's compliance program. So pull up your favorite armchair and listen to today's episode. Welcome, Jeremy.
1: Thank you. So actually to set the record straight, I'm the compliance and privacy officer at Williams Clinic. And up until July, I was also the information security officer and also the director of regulatory operations for value-based purchasing. Try to say that all in one sentence. That's,
0: I know that's a lot. Uh,
1: it is, it is, and you know I'm an accidental compliance professional because that never happens in our career, right? But, right. Um, actually started with billing's clinic back in 2012. Actually didn't make the jump into healthcare until 2010, and helped stand up meaningful use. Um, which a lot of your compliance professionals should be pretty familiar with. And that's kind of, you know, now morphed into macro-mix, promoting interoperability. Um, And so I started with Billings Clinic in 2012 to stand up their meaningful use program. And really my first intersection with um, compliance was probably that HIPAA security risk analysis piece that was really starting to kind of get my toes into the compliance world and where I had my first intersection with a compliance officer at the time, with Billings Client. So that's right. kind of where I've been and what I've done in the last decade.
0: Right, so you have an interesting journey though because you worked, um, so when you first started in healthcare, it was from the business associate perspective where you were a consultant with the oh. Meaningful Use um, elements of it. And then you moved into healthcare, um, actually into the largest health system in Montana because you're with Billings Clinic now. Um, so you have a very interesting journey that's brought you or afforded you this great learning opportunity. So you have this great wealth of knowledge now from all different types of sides. So you mentioned the security risk analysis as being kind of the catalyst behind you entering into the compliance world. I also so folks are very familiar with what the risk analysis is, um, but there's so much behind um, that security risk analysis and how it's supposed to be the cornerstone or the building stone for your compliance program. So why don't you start there and tell us a some about the the risk analysis and the process and what you've learned and how you guys are doing it at Billings Clinic.
1: Right. Yeah, we can definitely jump into that. And um, just so you know, I'm at home. So if there's some background noises, (laughs) that's the world that we live in now and I'm not doing witness protection program. It's just the lighting in the room. So, you know, one of the first things with the information security risk assessment, when I first came to Billings Clinic, um, and working with the compliance officer there, their interpretation of the regulation, I remember, was very narrow, and so when they were looking at EPHI, they were just looking at the medical record, I'm like, no. mm. you know, you've got a responsibility, you got to know where that EPHI that you're generating electronically is flowing throughout the organization and how it's being protected and, you know, um, and all the different things that you have, have in place to safeguard that. Um, so if you remember in the early days, uh, they was an HHS that had put out, um, that Excel template.
0: Yeah. Security
1: security risk Yeah. So that's one of the very first things that we, that we started to do, right. right. And we had compliance in the room and, you know, some IT involvement. And did we go through and answer the questions the best of our ability? We did um, and we were able to check that box and a task for me, you know, fast forward a few years later, 2014. So, you know, a couple of years down the road, we started to use a tool and that's online and it maps to all the, you know, the CFR requirements and it's same thing making, although this is going a little bit further, made it a little bit easier to say, okay, I have this policy and now I'm physically attaching this policy. So if I get audited, I have this nice report. And I can show it's like here's you know my supporting documentation. In the last iteration, um, we actually um, contracted with a company named Fortified um, Health Security, mm-hmm. and, and the idea and the reason why you know we had a major breach in, in twenty eighteen like 8, 8, 8, 9,000 patients. Um, and one of the first things that I figured out, you know, when I officially became a compliance officer in 2017, is our information security officer wasn't doing anything, and we didn't really have information security. Um, and then three, four months later, we had that breach. Um, so working through that and really building the information security program, we realized we needed a skill set that we didn't particularly have. We had an interim CIO at the time, so. So when we contracted with Fortify to bring in additional expertise and we really looked at the security risk analysis because now there was a real vested interest in this isn't just about doing an assessment and a testing for a potential incentive or or avoiding penalties. This is we've got some serious work to do because one, we have some real vulnerabilities uh, to our patient information, and two, we're going to be going through, you know, anytime you've got a a breach of that size, there's going to be an OCR investigation, and we've got some real substantial work to do. So in this iteration of the assessment, not only are you going through, and you've got all the CFR requirements all mapped out, and you're asking all the right questions, and you're providing um, physical documentation to say, I've got all these policies. And You know, we did find some policies gaps. It was a really extensive process. But now you're going, you know, you you started with just an Excel spreadsheet. Then you moved to a more sophisticated software platform with documentation. Now you're going even deeper, and you're looking at all of those policies. You're looking at your practices, and you're providing additional documentation or support to say, you know, not only do we have this policy, Here's the proof that it's been implemented. Here's uh, the proof that we're actually executing on these procedures that I actually have something that goes beyond checking the box because you said I have to have it to, you said I have to have it. Not only do I have it, but it's working as intended and protecting us the way that it should be. Um, so that's really kind of the evolution of how, the Tampa security risk assessment has evolved. And I just know working from working with a, a lot of our critical access hospitals, they're still at the point of that Excel spreadsheet. But what that really means at the end of the day is you likely have an information security program that isn't up to standards, isn't where it really needs to be. And here's the critical thing about that. We know that the government knows when you're very small and you're not going to have all the resources to bring to bear that a very large organization has. But when the rubber hits the road and you have a breach at some point, that's not going to buy you any goodwill or favor.
0: Well, right. And I think when we're talking about the security risk analysis, one of the things that it's really important for for us to remember is that HIPAA is not a framework. It is not a security framework. It is a set of regulations. So like when you're doing it kind of in those earlier stages of, the evolution of the security risk analysis that you you explained, right? And you're just utilizing kind of HIPAA security questions and evaluating: Are you doing everything that HIPAA says to do? It's not enough to meet the spirit behind the regulations, right? So we actually we we've worked with Fortify Health, so we kind of know what they like how they they do their security risk analyses, and they're kind of, they're the the cream of the crop. They're very good at what they do. Um, But what they do is they don't take HIPAA as a framework. They look at other existing security frameworks and that's how the security risk analysis is done. And when we look at what the corrective action plans are from the OCR when there are breaches, is you will see almost, so I'll say like 99% of the time, they cite the fact that there was not a sufficient security risk analysis. And I think it's because if we try to use HIPAA as a framework, it doesn't work.
1: Yeah. So you'll see, and I have to go back to like NIST, you know, but Mm -hmm. you could get into all those different things, ISO, NIST, SOC, all of that. Um, But especially for smaller facilities, a lot of times that's not, you know, being a compliance officer, I mean, it's such a big world and you can't know everything about everything, but that's so important to tap into those great resources out there. Um, but I, you know, I've seen that a lot with security risk assessments We work with over 14, you know, different critical access hospitals, all at varying types of level. And what I would say, um, and it's like, so it, and it's been a journey in the last two years to really build an information security program that I would say now for Billings client, which is a much bigger system. We're really at industry standard. We obviously want to go beyond that. We want to get to, I mean, best in class, best in nation, information security. Um, Not just because we want to avoid another breach, but we really do want to protect and take care of our patients' information. And that is a hard um, game to stay ahead of. But if I were in a smaller facility and working, I would still bring the same mentality and concept. I might not have all the resources to bring to bear, I'm certainly not going to be using an Excel spreadsheet, you know, and I might be reaching out to somebody like you, industry experts. Um, there's some very reasonable platforms out there. And even though I can't build by myself a comprehensive information security program in a year or two years, if I'm going to that deeper level and I've got it documented, and I don't care if it takes me five years, whatever it takes, you know, depending on your resources and, and different limiting factors. But if I'm earnestly doing the work, and I know this, you know, going through the OCR investigation that we are right now, um, that is the thing that is gonna count for something at the end of the day, and the thing that they're gonna take into consideration. Um, so, so when we talk about going a level deeper, that is kind of the concept that I'm giving after.
0: No, I love that. I think also too, when we think about how we can go a level deeper with our compliance programs, is that remembering that compliance is not that destination. And if you remove the mindset of trying to achieve HIPAA compliance and start the mindset of I'm on this journey of not compliance, but privacy and security, and I'm going to do everything I can to protect the privacy of my data, protect the security of my data, then you will achieve compliance You know, because you're on this journey and you're constantly expanding review, revise, implement, and then start, then analyze all that, then start that process again, review, revise, implement, analyze, start over. And I think that that's one of the biggest shifts that we can make to go that deeper level. And if we can show that we're doing that, I think that that's really what the OCR is looking for. That's what our patients are looking for us to do is to continue that effort. I think for a lot of organizations, especially small organizations, because again, you're super fortunate that you work with a health system. And so you have the power behind you of of that health system. But when we are looking at the smaller entities, they really struggle with that. And if the OCR were to come into their door and they're able to prove that they've taken that type of secular process and they're constantly evaluating how they're doing things, they can really mitigate some of the liability there. At Hippotrek, we are just like you. We're not just another compliance platform that only your IT team can figure out. We're a team of healthcare compliance professionals that have been in your shoes. We were frustrated with traditional tools and knew that there had to be a better way. HIPPATREC was developed by compliance officers for compliance officers. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by your outdated compliance software, contact us for the solution. Call 314-272-2600 or visit us at HIPPATREC.com. I think
1: you're absolutely right. And I think, too, it's like if you have a real passion for what we do you know, I, I never really planned on being a compliance professional, but, I mean, I have a lot of passion for it. It's important work, and it, I think, you know, being a former veteran, the thing is, you know, I had a real fun career in, in the video industry, you know, and got to go to Hollywood and you know, those kinds of things. But healthcare, like the military, I mean, there really is. Um, it's about service, and there's a mission there, and it's about helping the community. Um, it's not about... HIPAA, and it's not about the government. It's about doing the right thing by your patients. Um, And so there really is a net positive benefit to that. And so, I mean, if you can get passionate about that, you don't have to have a large organization. You don't have to have all that horsepower behind you. There are simple ways that you can go out, you know, like you said, review, revise, implement, review, revise, implement, that you can do that. You know, one of the things that I've hooked into that you know, um, is for your hippos. For instance, like, there are resources out there um, to help <laughs> us get up to speed. Uh,
0: I, dude, and, we're all working from home,
1: <laughs> right? And and tools to help us get better at the profession that, we, that we're in and provide more value to the organization and to our patients. You know, so, like, I can tell you um, another thing that's really been on my mind and something that we're definitely going to be working on um, in 2021 from Billings Clinic's perspective. So, hopefully, everybody's familiar with the DOJ guidance that came out last year. Um, and it, I had an interesting dialogue with our, with our general counsel. Um, we were at a board meeting. She's like, she's like, well, there's more specific information. You know, there's other guidance more specific to healthcare. But I'm like... You know, like 2.8 of the whatever three billion in penalties that the DOJ recovered was related to healthcare. I think he's mm-hmm. pretty specific to healthcare. But one of the things they talked about um, was the third-party risk management. Right. And and I just know, at least through my experience and talking with a lot a lot of other folks in the industry, and I know why they're kind of focusing on that. You look at some of the breaches that happen out there. Um, you know, related to business associates. This is the same concept. Just because I'm hiring Sarah, as you know, to um, taking some of my work and I need her to do that for me, it's involving a lot of patient information. That doesn't absolve me of ultimately of my responsibility. I've been entrusted with this information. I have to make sure that it's protected um, and cared for and used in, in the appropriate manner. Um,
0: that's actually a really things, uh, Yeah, so, go ahead, jump in. Yeah, I was like that's a really good point though, right? So is that third party risk and when you're so it doesn't absolve you? Do you recommend no. doing third-party risk assessments prior to sharing data with your business associates and vendors?
1: Absolutely. And I would also say a mistake that a, that a lot of organizations made, and we've come a ways. And I can talk to you a little bit about how our systems evolved and how it still needs to grow. Um, a common mistake that I've seen or, or have talked to people they think about, they think it's just a cybersecurity risk assessment. It's more than that. Third-party risk management is much more than that. So don't let it just be an IT function. And it really is something, in my opinion, that compliance at least has to have some kind of, oversight or auditing and monitoring plan in place. But for us, before we really got the the cybersecurity piece in place, then we do an access and a control assessment, and we do that for all our third-party application vendors. Um, and I think this is gonna become more um, any kind of vendor that we, that we deal with that, um, using any kind of software platform, whatever, this this process is gonna kind of be in place. Um, but we have vendors that were going through supply chain that would that IT wasn't necessarily touching, or you might have business associates that aren't in supply chain for whatever reason, don't have a software application and are just going through, well, I'm sorry to say, you know, and, and so maybe it might be a group of attorneys that you're working with or whatever it is, and maybe they're dealing with paper. Um, mountains and mountains of paper, uh, patient information, you still have a responsibility to manage that third-party vendor. Um, and so, and, and you know, specifically, you know, we've talked about, and looked at, and you know, I know you have solutions around that. Absolutely. There, to try to manage that process with spreadsheets, I don't think is tenable. You need, and you can find some pretty reasonable platforms out there but you need a robust program to look at not only the cybersecurity risk, but it's like, I want to know you've read our code of conduct and have agreed to abide by that, or you have something very similar. I want to know that you've done proper training, all of these things. So in the event of when a breach happens, because I'm not even saying if anymore in this world at some point in time and it involves a third-party vendor, I can go and say, look, Here's all the documentation that I've got. Here's the records that they provided me. Here's the assessment that we did. Um, These were the deficiencies that were identified and here's our corrective action plans that we've been working on. That's what the government expects. That's what your patients should expect. Mm -hmm. You know, it even goes back to what we were talking about when I first started at Billings Clinic with that information security risk assessment. You have a responsibility in your organization to know where your PHI is at and how it's being protected and to take every reasonable step to protect it.
0: What an amazing statement. No, I 100% agree with you. This is all really good information. So what would you say is like a piece of advice for our listeners if they're looking to take that next step? So let's just say they're on the uh, Excel spreadsheet version of their of their compliance program, right? What's like one simple step that they can take to go that next level deeper to um, increase their security and privacy programs?
1: Well, I would say there are a number of things that you can do that I've done throughout the years. And the best thing that you can do is to start to network with your peers so you find things like hit the huddle. You get on LinkedIn. Because a lot of times you're not going to have a big budget to work with, especially in smaller facilities. But I'm just telling you, if you get out there and network, and anybody can contact me at any point in time, you know, and I'm happy to share information. I mean, you have very reasonably um, priced solutions. Start to move the ball forward a little bit. It's, and it's really easy for boards, you know, start educating your boards, start educating your senior executive team, start talking about cases that are existing out there, OCR enforcement activities. There are real real world consequences. You can look at the OCR wall of shame and, and all the breaches that are happening out there um, to say, you know, if we don't start making some at these small investments, Uh, in compliance, there's a greater price to pay potentially down the road. You know, it makes me think of, was a few years back, um, there's a critical access hospital to get fined, I think almost Uh, $750,000 for access that wasn't terminated timely. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get into all the weeds of the case, but I have to imagine, um, you know, if... If they were doing work and going that level deeper, even if that might have potentially still been an issue, that's a pretty big fine for a yeah, critical access hospital. Especially for a cost. That's a yeah. huge cost. I work with critical access hospitals. It's like that that might shut their doors. You know. Um so to get traction and it, you know, I might be asking for small amounts of money. There's some good solutions out there I can get for five, $10,000 a year. There are solutions out there, like No. I use number 4 as an information security training platform. I know there's some capabilities they have, if you've got 500 or less employees, there's a free version of it. I'm not pushing them because they're not the only ones out there, but there are tools out there that you can start to utilize. But the best way you're gonna get out of that is to network. Um, it starts to talk to people in the industry and they're going to know.
0: I love the networking, um, recommendation, right? So I think that that's how I learned most of what I learned when I first got started. Cause I got started at a, at a small clinic. I mean, we had five providers, I think we had maybe 10 employees. I mean, it was a very small clinic, And there was no way I was going to know everything when I first got started. So networking and working with other practice administrators and other like networking at the local hospital, that's how how I learned and and grew. I think on top of networking, one thing you can do is just set one or two goals for yourself for the year and work towards those goals. Because like you said, it's going to take years. You're not going to get to where you're completely satisfied with what your privacy and security program is for years. And you may never get there because we're going to constantly see new evolutions in cyber threats we are going to see new evolutions in privacy and security practices. And so it's this constant learning and constant, which is what makes compliance so interesting and fun, right? We, I think we would all be bored if we had to only maintain a program.
1: Well, there's always new ways of thinking about things and doing things. It's, you know, I say it's like if I was still doing everything the way I was back in 2012, um, I'm not doing it right. I don't think things things have evolved and changed quite a bit. It's amazing just what technology has done in the, in the last decade. Uh, I remember back from, you know, where we started to where we're at now. Um, you know, and like I said, there are a lot of affordable ways. So, like, one thing, Sarah, I would say, and this is a really neat concept. So, for anybody in Montana or Wyoming, I don't know if you're familiar with PYA. Yep. They're a company that we work with. but They've recently started. They they have this Overwatch program um, that we may actually even also participate in. But is, you know, for smaller organizations, it's pretty reasonable. You know, I forget if it's a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks a month. Um, but it provides a lot of compliance services. You know, from policies to help with risk assessments and, like I said, you know, um, there are some really cool resources out there that people can use. Nectar Analytics, that's another really affordable, I mean, simple solution that we stood up that didn't require a lot of IT expertise. But now we've really brought in risk-based auditing into the organization. So it's like we can see our information the way the government's looking at it. And so we know right away, it's like, oh, wow, this modifier looks like it's, you know, like we're way overcoding. Let's go look at that. You know, and it may or may not be an issue, but we're, we're going to get to it before the government gets to it, right? There are just so many tools out there to be had, great tools that can help us really go, not only go a level deeper, but to really start to elevate our game.
0: Great advice. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for being our guest.
1: Yep, you bet.